Lord, I believe that the words in, in, in your book bring life and they bring healing and they bring the community of believers together. And so, God, we want to acknowledge that this morning. Lord, we want to let the Holy Spirit do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do in our life, in our hearts, in our community, and, and even in the world. And God, I pray that this morning as your word goes from me, I pray that those words would be your words, that my heart would be your heart. I pray that, um, that they would honor you and they would just meet people where they are in, in the struggles and the context of what they're going through in life. So God, we want to honor you this morning. We want to honor your word this morning. We were going to recognize and proclaim that the Spirit of God is with your church this morning here on Sandbank Road and all the churches that are meeting in the name of Jesus Christ today and that your word is going out in a powerful way and your word changes lives, changes individuals, which changes churches. And when churches are changed, Lord, we know that the world will be changed. So we gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so independence is a very important thing to us. In fact, we have a whole holiday given over to independence. We call it Independence Day, in case you didn't know. It's the 4th of July. And so it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of a very important thing for our country to be independent. In fact, it was so important, our country was founded on the desire of independence, and we went to war to fight it, to fight for it. And we finally won our independence. And many, many thousands of people lost their lives in that battle so that we can be an independent country. And do you know, did you know that today in our world, there are countries and there are people groups that continue to fight for their independence. And so it's kind of, it's kind of important to us. Now, I believe not only is important to us as a country, but it's also important to us as individuals. We strive for our independence. Independence is, is a good thing. We long for it. But we don't start out our life independent. In fact, we start off very dependent. When you are born as a baby, you can't do anything for yourself except breathe, eat, and the other thing. And that's it. And if somebody didn't help you, you would end up staying in the other thing longer than you would have hoped for. And so we are born very, very dependent on other people to care for us, to feed us, to protect us. But as we grow and we, and we begin to learn and we begin to mature, our desire to become independent grows in us. And then we need, we have this, this need to do things on our own. It's like it's genetically wired into us. 
Have you ever, have, and, and sometimes we do it without even thought to the consequence of what's going to happen. Have you ever had to catch a small child who seems to be just a too little independent going and doing something that's going to get them hurt? You've had to stop them. They're just exercising kind of what's just innately inside of them. This idea, this desire, this striving to be independent. And so as we grow and as we mature and as we get older, we become independent from the people that we were originally dependent upon. We start to learn more things on our own. We start to do more things on our own. And then, and then all of a sudden, you're sitting at the dining room table and you push your plate away because you're, you're full and on your plate is sitting your broccoli. And no one has told you, you better eat your broccoli. You've graduated to a place of independence. Or if you're really living off the hook, you go outside in the cold without a jacket on. Now what, right? You are, you're moving to this place of, of independence. And you make your own money. And you begin to spend your own money. How you want to spend your own, own money. All of our years of growing and maturing seem to be moving us to a place of becoming independent. Independent from the people around us. Independent from mom and dad. Independent from our families. But you know, it could really be a dangerous or unhealthy thing, this, this independence if left unchecked, because sometimes as we become more and more independent, and if it goes in an unhealthy direction, we can begin to view being dependent on other people as a weakness or even a failure in life. <laughs> I'm speaking right to Kay this morning. And, and if that's left unchecked, and we believe that we can get along without anybody's help, then we have this kind of twisted idea thinking that, that everybody else should be able to get along without anybody else's help. And if that's what we begin to think, then guess what? We begin to live our lives in a reflection of that. Listen, man, I've done it. I can do it. They should be able to do it. They should be able to handle it themselves. If you are a person who actually believes that you don't need any help from any people at all, you can be a person who has no true deep friendships. I mean, if you become free from mom and dad, free from other people, free from friends and family, free from community, free from the church, ultimately free from God, you are not living in freedom. That's called lonely, and that's not a healthy place to be for a person, for a human being. Paul is going to talk about this idea of living life in community, but living life in community in the context of giving, but not just giving, receiving because there's an ebb and a flow in it. And so we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. Wes, if you could just pop that up there. There's only one slide this morning. I'm going to read Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for, the proper, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I have to say that Eugene Peterson has been just a major influence in my study of Galatians, and many of his thoughts have actually become my thoughts, and he's exploded this whole, these whole ideas to me, so I have to, have to give him props and credit. So now, remember that in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing about freedom. This is his freedom book. He's trying to tell the church and explain to the church and help them understand the very thing that we possess as Jesus followers, that we have been set free. Christ has set us free so that we can live in this freedom. And he wants us to understand that. He wants us to get it through our, dare I say, thick skulls that we can live in freedom. And look what he says in the first verse. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Living, living our lives in Jesus' freedom is not about you just becoming all self-sufficient. It's not about you being able to say, man, I can do this by myself. I can go it alone. I don't need anyone. You see, living in Jesus' freedom is not about independence. It's about interdependence. It's about, if, if, okay, let me just, if interdependence is allowed to flourish and it's allowed to grow, then it needs to grow in the context of relationships. And if interdependence is going to really take root, those relationships have to be relationships of both giving and receiving. To live in a Jesus freedom is about interconnectedness, interdependence. See, the reality of it is we are all, everyone in here is in a place where they need something. And the reality of it is everyone in this room is in a place, in a position where they can give something. Martin Buber who uh, I would highly recommend reading. Start with I and thou. It, it's like taking a sip of water off a fire hose. Great stuff. But he writes this. It is our human nature to leave unnoticed our innermost needs of the soul. And it is in our human nature to leave unnoticed our innermost gifts of the soul. And then he would go on to write that as we help each other, we are actually helping ourselves. As we help each other, we are helping ourselves. And so as we, have begin, as we begin life, we are completely dependent on someone else for everything. And as we grow, yes, we gain some independence in that. But to think that, our, to think that we become completely independent, to think that we become a person who has no needs, who is in no need of anybody else's help, is silly. We all have needs. They just change throughout our life. That's the way life plays itself out. That's the way the book is written. And there's nothing that you can do to stop it. Each person. Each person has strengths. 
to help someone else. Each person has wisdom and experiences and knowledge that they can use to help someone else. But in saying that, you don't get to a point in your life where you just arrive. Ta-da! I don't need anybody else. You will have strengths and wisdom and knowledge, but you are not the complete package. And so, what Paul is talking about in this first verse is, when you help someone, and he's talking about um, with, with their instructor, he's talking about actually discipling in the word. When you help someone, it's not a good place for the person who is being helped to think that the one that's offering help doesn't need anything from them. The, the one who gives is also a person who is in need. You don't get to the point in your life where you are no longer in need. That's why, that's why, you know, I, I talk to a lot of pastors because I'm a pastor and they would never admit this to you, but pastors are lonely people surrounded by tons and tons of people. And the main re- well, one of the main reasons is because you all think we got it together. Aha! You think that we have all of the answers. Uh-huh. We need just as much as the next person needs. And as we give, please don't think for a minute that as, a, as me as a pastor, I don't need you people. I do. And, 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 and it has to come in, in, these, in, in relationships, personal relationships. It comes in the context of community and companionship. Now, don't get me wrong. I ain't going to be friends with all of you. Just saying. I mean, I, you know, I just can't. But we need each other. And don't think that somebody has ever arrived and not in need of somebody else. You know, sometimes we are the friend that steps in to help, and sometimes we are the friend that is helped. And we kind of ebb and flow in that whole dynamic, right? We kind of ebb and flow. Sometimes we're receiving help and we're, we have these needs and people are helping us. And sometimes we are the ones that are able to give that help. And, and, that's, and that's a good thing. But as we establish that ebb and flow, it actually deepens our Jesus freedom. There is freedom in giving and there's freedom in receiving. Our strengths don't have to separate us from people. And our weaknesses do not have to cause us fear and shame because we are all weak and we all have strengths. And when we allow that Jesus freedom, that truth to kind of set in and we begin to understand it, what happens is a community develops. When we ebb and flow in helping and being helped, we have, ta-da, a community. And it's a godly community, and it's an interdependent community, and it's a connected community. It's the community that God calls us to be in. And so when we understand that 
community is about interdependence, we begin to see the grace of God lived out because living a Christ life is about receiving grace and it's also about giving grace away. You receive the grace of God. All of you have received the grace of God. All of you Jesus followers have received the grace of God and we are free to give that grace away. And so another person's weakness it's not some, some sickness that you have to run from because you think you're going to get cooties all over you. And another person's strength, it's not, it's not a threat to you. Because we all kind of ebb and flow in needing and giving. And if we allow this to sink in, all life becomes grace. All of our strengths and all of our weaknesses in the whole community is God's grace to us all. And I know that sounds like really good. It's almost like Hallmark, and, and, and I bet you somebody can come up with a nice greeting card. But how do we get there? I mean, weakness is frowned upon in our culture. If you are weak and you need help, many people will just hang their head in shame. Many people in the church are never helped. Because they will not admit that they need help. And they go on and they continue in a way that God does not want for them. So how do we make this whole idea, this thing, a reality? Well, that's a great question. And you're going to ask me a great question in a couple more sentences, but I'm not going to have the answer. But I got the answer to this great question, so let me answer this great question. This is the way we're going to get a hold of this. Strengths and weaknesses, they are not evenly passed out to people. When you were in your mother's womb, God didn't go, okay, I'm going to give them three strengths and three weaknesses. Next, three strengths and three weaknesses. Next, we all don't have the same number of strengths and weaknesses. Maybe we can even say we don't get the same amount of blessings and curses in life or good things and bad things. There are people that have a much heavier burden to carry in this world than some other people. And I don't have any idea why. So don't ask me that question. I will say that sometimes it's, it's our fault that, that we've caused whatever that burden is, but many times it's not our fault. It's just the way life comes at us. And it's the same way with our strengths. Strengths aren't evenly given to people. Some people have a higher IQ than others. Some people, some people are more business savvy. Some people have more street smarts. Some people have more common sense. Some people are physically stronger, right out of the box. Some people have luscious, full heads of hair, and some don't. It's not funny. Sometimes I'm jealous. <laughs> but don't ask me why. It's just, it's the way life happens. Sometimes we cause it. Sometimes we don't. And you know, if we can get a hold of this idea, that strengths and weaknesses, man, they, they don't get evenly passed out to people. Then it can begin to change the way we look at people and the way we treat people. And maybe it can begin to change the way that you allow yourself to be treated. That maybe we could say that you would allow yourself to be helped in that need that you desperately need help in. 
and we can recognize, personally recognize our strengths and you don't have to be arrogant in them. You don't have to hold them over people thinking that you're better than them and we can identify our weaknesses and you all got them, including me. I know, I'm the pastor, I don't have, right? I got some too and we can identify those weaknesses and you don't have to run and hide fear, or even self-pity. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. Even Jesus, God. God's a pretty strong dude. Just I believe he can move the rock, so make the rock so big that he can move. Never mind. So God is really strong. He created stuff like everything. And Jesus is God. And even Jesus needed help. He needed people to fund his ministry. Women, no less. That's just wrong back in those days. When, when it was coming down after the Last Supper, and he literally felt the weight of the world on his shoulders, what did he say to his disciples? Please stay here with me and pray. He just wanted his closest friends with him. And when he was carrying the cross, he needed help. And they called Simon out of the crowd to help him. Even in that amazing strength that we just can't even begin to imagine, Jesus demonstrated the need for help. Then Paul continued to write, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In our strength, we are free to give. I'm going to challenge you, even in our weaknesses, we are free to give. But there is one place that we are not free. And that one place is we are not free not to give. You track it with that? We are not free not to give. Greed is a very imprisoning darkness in people's lives. It squelches the spirit. It sucks the life out of people. And so eventually we will be faced with the consequences of how we have lived our life. Oh. Eventually, we will be faced with the consequences of how we have lived our life. Every kindness, every word that you speak to build up and to encourage, every time that you give of yourself and you show love, grace, and mercy, and you look beyond yourself, those are seeds that you plant that will eventually grow. And in the same way, every hurtful word, every hurtful criticism, every time compassion and love is withheld, every time that greed has the opportunity to manifest itself and grow, those are seeds that you are planting that will eventually, eventually they will grow. Paul writes that whoever plants these seeds, whoever sows for themselves, for the flesh, 
what you're going to grow is your own destruction. Because when you become obsessed with yourself, man, you start to push people away. And you start to just push people off to the side. And they become less important. But then what's really twisted is you look to those very people for your validation. Hey, how am I doing? Does this look okay? Does this sound okay? Is this okay? Is that okay? The very people that you might not even like, you look to to validate yourself. And that is an unhealthy way to find your validation. To continually need to be admired is the foundation of selfishness and living for yourself. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to be validated in every, anything, because we do, man. Sometimes we just need, we need somebody to say, hey, that was, that was good. Thank you. But this is about all about you. Eugene Peterson would say this. A person all wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. And when your concern is about you all of the time, you begin to deny your need for community. And when you deny your need for community, you are living in selfishness. And within that selfishness, within that denial for your need for community, you begin to refuse your obligation to the community. We are, I mean, can I even say that we are all obligated to each other as the body of Christ to love each other. You know, the, the journey from a healthy self-concern to complete selfishness is really short. It's really short. And a life lived in self-pleasing and self-serving and self-ishness ends bad. Paul would say, destruction. That's a big word. That's not like, oh, you shouldn't. That's destruction. Blown up. There's a flip side to the coin because there's something else he talks about. And understand that we've been talking about for the last week or so that the flesh and the spirit, they're, they're, they're in contention with each other. To sow or to plant spiritual things in the spirit, we will reap eternal life. Now, you have to, be, I have to, you have to understand this. This is not about you doing good things so you can get to heaven. This is about the spirit of God that's alive and well and transforming you and causing you, inspiring you, transforming you to the place of you are just living your life very differently. And so when you reap, or I'm sorry, when you sow, plant those seeds of the spirit, it comes out that you actually give life. You give and you get life. And this life is played out in Community, church, people getting together. And as we receive from God, we receive the spiritual gifts from God, healing and grace and mercy and love and caring. As we receive those and you want to plant spiritual seeds, then we're called to go out and give those things away to other people. They're just not for you. They're for you to give away to other people. Did I mention other people? 
Not just your people. Maybe people you don't know. Maybe people you don't even like. It's what God has called us to. But you know, that can get kind of discouraging. I, I, I have to admit. Sometimes, you know, you give and you give and you give. You're throwing them seeds out. You're trying to be good and you get nothing. Nothing changes. The same old, same old is happening. Why bother? I mean, I just continually give and I give and I give. So I'm just going to give up. It doesn't seem to matter. Nothing gets better. The person just, there's no appreciation and there's no change. Paul would say, oh, nay, nay, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time you will reap a harvest. That means you pick the plant that you've grown. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. God will not be mocked. I love that, that, that whole verse 7 thing, God cannot be mocked freaks me out as a pastor. I mean, that's one of the, like, like oh, okay, God, okay, okay God, sorry. Um, so, but God will not, I don't even know where I am in my notes now. Hang on. Oh, here we go. Okay. God will not be mocked. Don't laugh at me. No, not. What you plant, you will harvest. What you sow, you will reap. And you know what that means? Every, every, keep it down. Every, they're going to hit me. Every decision you make are seeds that you have planted. Every attitude that you have are seeds that you have planted. Every action that you do are seeds that you've planted. Every prayer that you prayed or every prayer you have neglected to pray are seeds that you are planting. And all of those seeds will grow into either a harvest of destruction or life. You tracking how serious this is? Either destruction or life. God will not be mocked. We don't get to get away with anything. And the seeds that you've planted in the Spirit, they will not be wasted. You may not see them in your time frame. You may not see the results, see the growth, growth when you want to see it, when you expect to see it, when you have or hoped to see it. It might not go according to your plan, but the Word of God says that you will reap what you sow. And I want to encourage you guys to sow, reap life. Life. I know it can be difficult. I know it can get tiring. I know that there's a little appreciation, but if you're looking for the quick result in this, if you're looking for the, the instant fix, like you know, like, hey, I just encouraged that person and so they should be encouraged for like the rest of their life and everything should be rosy for them. I am an encourager. It's my spiritual gift. Ta-da. Man, you're gonna be disappointed. 
It just doesn't quite work that way. If you're looking for the quick fix in life, there is no quick fix. I don't even think there's seven easy steps to nothing except maybe food. Even the coming of Jesus is a process. What did the scriptures say? That when the time had fully come, God sent his son. When the time fully came, God sent his son. And it took a long time for the time to become full. God sent his son. Don't grow weary in doing good. Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all these, these people who, who knew the promise. The promise was made to them and they died before they got to see it. What if Abraham and David and um, Isaiah and Ezra, what if they gave up because things didn't happen on their time frame, according to their schedule, according to their plan? What if they said, forget you, God, it ain't working. I'm going back to the destruction stuff because sometimes, let's admit it, the whole flesh destruction thing can be fun for for a little bit amount of time, right? What if? And so we're called to... We're called to perseverance, we're called to faithfulness, we're called to hope. And when we hold on to those things, it creates in us a a desire to give. And it also creates in us the ability to continually give to those who may be in need. Then verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Opportunities of giving are all over the place. They are everywhere. And it says, let's do good to all people. Now, we've looked at this word before in the Greek. The word all means like all, which means everything, all things. It's pretty inclusive, the word all. It doesn't mean a few, a majority, most, all wait, let's do good to all people. That does mean that we have to do good to the people we don't like. The people that aggravate the death out of you. That you just have to look at and you just go, give me patience, Lord. You don't even like the way their nose whistles when they're eating. It just makes you crazy. See, you know people like that. You might be one of them. He calls us to do good to all people. You don't have to go looking far to find people who are in need of help. You don't have to wait for some big opportunity to present itself. You don't have to uh, travel to some distant, far-off land to find people who need help. Any chance meeting that you have with someone could be an opportunity to do good, to help, to come alongside them. And you can engage people right where they are. You don't have to worry about what other people are going to say or what other people are going to think about you. Who cares, man? You're, you're moving in Jesus' freedom. Amen. You don't have to look far to find it. And Paul will tell us, especially do good to those who belong to the family of believers. You know what he's saying? Especially do good to the family of believers. And yes, all believers, but I would even say this family, our Oasis family. We should be doing good 
for each other here. And it's not, it's not because we're better than the people out there, maybe a little bit, but, but not a lot. It's not that. It's because we're right here. We are all right here. We have opportunity upon opportunity to do good for each other and that you might even receive goodness from someone else. We are all in a position to help someone. And we're all somewhere in a need, have a need to be helped. You don't have to travel far. Maybe just one row back or maybe the person sitting right next to you. Distance giving, it kind of it requires less of us. It, it kind of requires less effort and less involvement and even, even less compassion. Just writing the check is way easier than sharing a burden of the person who is sitting right next to you because that person sitting right next to you, they may actually require your time. You might have to actually enter into a conversation with them and listen and not just shake your head like you agree. It might cost you resources. You might have to drive to their house. You might have to take a late night phone call. You might have to waste your gas and go have coffee. It requires something of us. It's an investment. And you might even lose sleep. Because the weight of their burden is also becoming your burden. We cannot, neglect the, we cannot neglect the people that are right next to us to show a little compassion to people that we don't know. Understand this. The check needs to be sent. The missionaries need to be supported. But those things are just an extension of what's happening right here at home. Martin Luther wrote this. A Christian is, perfectly free, a, Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And in the very next sentence, he would write this. A Christian is a perfect, dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And isn't that who the person of Jesus Christ was? He's God. And yet he didn't use that to be worshipped and to serve. He came to serve. And that's what we have in this table. It's, it's his expression. It's the remembrance that he is a God who serves, that he is a God who gave, that he came to teach us how to give and how to receive. And those are the things that are important in our life. So as you come to the table this morning, maybe the Spirit of God is tugging on you that you need to help that person. 
Don't ignore the voice of the Spirit and go talk to that person today. Call them up if they're not here or if it's somebody else. Maybe as you come to this table, the Holy Spirit is, is tugging on your heartstring, tugging on your soul to say, why don't you go and ask for help? And maybe that's where you need to be this morning. Asking someone for help. So come, take the bread and the cup, and we will take communion together.